Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hello, my name is Kelly Brownell. I'm the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. Our guest for the second of two podcasts is Gary Nell, President and Chief Executive Officer of Sesame Workshop, a person with a highly distinguished uh, record in children's media. Named 2008 the New York Social Entrepreneur of the Year, Mr. Nell has advised members of Congress and a number of other government agencies and other organizations on issues of children and the media. So, Gary, welcome. Great to be here, Kelly. So in this podcast, I'd like to talk about the future of media. And I don't know who in the world is able to prognosticate this because it's changing so fast. But you think about the demise of newspapers. You think about magazines being re read less than used to be the case. So many new forms of media coming out almost by the day. How in the world does one look ahead and see where this is going? And let's talk about the implications this might have for children's media in particular. So first I'll start with a question. Um, the, there's obviously a big digital presence, presence now with cell phone technology and social media and the internet and things like that. Where do you see this going in upcoming years? Well, it has a huge impact on children's media and there's one primary reason is that children are being introduced to media <laughs> literally from the crib. And um, whether this is a good thing or not, we can debate, but we know it's happening. And we know from the Kaiser Family Foundation that two out of three kids under the age of two are watching TV every day. One out of three have a TV in their own bedrooms. And this is now expanding to digital platforms, especially mobile phones, because they're just so easy. I mean, I had a friend of mine talk to me about how his two-year-old was able to find an iPhone app, you know, on his phone that he wanted to find the other day. Kids just have a natural attraction to media. The other thing we have to remember is that, uh, unlike us adults, kids view these things as appliances, not great in inventions. It's just part of their daily lives the way a uh, car might be to us or, or a radio. So they view these as appliances to help them through their day. Um, since broadband came along with the internet 24-7, that's the thing that's made the big difference. It's always on. So now we've taken that into a portable place. And the question really for those of us who care about education is, how do we find a way to utilize and harness the power of these technologies, which are so uh, seductive, to find a way to uh, put on content that is going to inspire a child intellectually, help them manage their lives, and also promote health outcomes that we believe as a society uh, we need to promote. So there are huge challenges ahead. Um, we view the next decade, Kelly, as a real coming together of formal and informal education um, through technology. And uh, there's been a big aversion to technology traditionally in, in school. That is going to shift uh, for demographic reasons, if nothing else. As the millennial generation becomes teachers, this is a generation that has grown up with Facebook and MySpace. They have no, pre not only do they not have a prejudice, they, this is part of their daily existence. So they will find a way to utilize these things and the kids are gonna go through there. We have to figure out then how to deliver lessons and messages through these new technologies and it's gonna be a big challenge. As you think uh, into the future, and you have a number of ways you can reach people, obviously your shows on television are primary way, but you have the internet, you have written materials like books, there are the social media, there are the cell phones. 
How do you make decisions about where to invest your energy with this sort of thing? And do you see energy being taken away from television and put into the other things, or will this be incremental energy to the new things and the same amount of attention will be paid to television? Well, we probably spend more time on this than any single topic. It's really how we allocate our resources, which are limited, and you can spend a lot of money chasing a lot of uh, windmills uh, here. Uh, that will not give back any sort of uh, economic return, uh, even if it gives any kind of a, an educational return. So we are trying to make sure that we're playing where kids are, and uh, we're tracking closely their behaviors. We, that's why we have iPhone apps. That's why we just launched an ebook platform, which is going to offer parents and kids five free electronic books that they can access anytime online, print them out or play with them online and read online. So any way to, to promote reading and to get kids excited about education, TV has not gone away yet. But this is the first year, Kelly, in which more people are accessing Sesame Street content not on broadcast television versus on broadcast television. Who would have ever thought that day would come? Yeah, those lines have now crossed in 2009, and the line is just going to keep going. So uh, we think mobile technology is actually going to be television in the next decade, and uh, it won't be on the size of a cell phone, but it will be something that will have high-quality, uh, tablet-like uh, uh, portability that parents and kids will be able to access, and we got to be on those platforms. So it sounds, from what you're describing, that you're reacting to the advances in technology. You want to track them, be on top of them, understand where they're going in the future as much as possible in order to make decisions. And this may be outside the purview of what you do, but has there been any thought given to helping drive the technology? Is that Are there specific things that would be helpful digital advances specifically for children that may not be considered so much in the broader array of things that the people that, that do this sort of digital advance would be working on? Well, that's a really good question. I'd, I'd say I, I have two answers. One is in developing countries, the use of mobile technology for children has a huge uh, ability to make a profound difference because so many kids are left out of school entirely. So you have an ability really to leapfrog over those gaps in formal education by delivering educational messages via mobile technologies. That's beginning to happen already. Uh, the numbers of cell phones that are sold in the world are in the billions, even in economically uh, underdeveloped nations. So that's one way in which we plan to put, we're already doing, but we plan to put our content on those platforms to make a big difference. In this country, it's figuring out ways to um, push, push those edges, like you said. We've started a, a test with Nokia, the cell phone maker, to do, if you will, a video conference between a grandparent and a grandchild reading a book together from two different geographic locations. Um, and it's quite remarkable. Uh, these are the kinds of things which not only do you encourage reading, but you're, in, you're encouraging an intergenerational connection, which too much of our society, in my view, lacks. So this is something that you know, can have profound societal impacts. These are the things we want to do to push the edges out of these new technologies and not simply look at them as uh, ways in which to commercially exploit uh, the population. There are huge opportunities here for education and, 
and positive societal change. It's so refreshing to hear that because there's so much concern about the downsides of the internet and predatory behavior and privacy issues with children and things like that. To hear this example of grandparents reading to their children just sounds so nice and, and refreshing. Well, and it's not to, to diminish those concerns, which I and along with everyone else has, and media literacy is an important part of that as well. Uh, but, you know, the flip side of all of these things is, are, are positive. You know, everything in life has positives and risks at, at attached to them as well. And we have to figure out ways of harnessing the power of these technologies because kids are going to be there. And uh, it's uh, even those parents who keep the TV off, somehow somehow kids are able to find Spongebob. <laughs> they're going to watch it at a neighbor's house. They're going to watch it online. They're going to figure out a way to find it because they hear about it from their, from their peers. So it's important that we pay attention to those things uh, and, and make sure that those of us who care about children are promoting positive ways of harnessing the power of these different media. Because you address so many social issues, is there any way of looking ahead into the future about the social issues that you may be helping to address three years down the road, five years, and things like that? Well, I think, well, that's a really good question. I mean, we constantly look for opportunities to uh, address broad issues. We also look at opportunities to address targeted issues. One of the issues we'd really like to get into is autism. Uh, because this is an issue which is uh, impacting far too many children. Um, some people view it as an epidemic, it's even been called. Uh, and I can tell you from anecdotal experience, I can't tell you how many parents of, of autistic children have talked to me about how they can't, nothing reaches their children except the Muppets. Mm. Somehow they are able to find a way to, to connect with their child. And there are theories about that now. But we're going to try to look to find some ways in which we can uh, help uh, parents of autistic children find some uh, breakthroughs uh, in terms of uh, moving forward. And uh, it's a very complex question. But those are the kinds of things which the workshop's done in the past and taken on. You know, the other thing is we, we have a huge project with military families going on right now and the stresses and traumas that military families are having now from multiple deployments, from soldiers coming back with injury. We're taking on now the grieving process for mm -hmm. those families where mom or dad don't come home at all. Right. And this is a very difficult topic. But Sesame Street has dealt with this topic before, uh, de death of a loved one, and it will not shy away from taking on those topics in the future by giving parents coping skills to maybe make these most difficult circumstances in a child's life or in a parent's life a little bit easier um, through the power of the messages that we're able to create. Well, you know, thank the heavens for the work you and your colleagues do. and. Um, for you know, decades of social good. So I, pr I appreciate all the work you do in general, but especially for joining us today. So thanks for being here. Great to be at Yale again. So our guest today was Gary Nell, President and Chief Executive Officer of the Sesame Workshop. I invite you to view our website at www.yalerudcenter.org for a list of uh, resources, um, breaking news pieces, and also a list of podcast visitors that we've had who have been here in the past. Thank you. <laughs>